Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church, Martinsville, Virginia. We are actually in Martinsville at a farm, at the Corcoran Farm, home of Jeff, Melody, and Lila. They uh, have invited us to be here. We are also here with their three donkeys because that is the theme of today's worship service. We're going to be talking about different figures at the manger, including the donkey. So we're here with Dixie and Ezekiel and Jenga. So uh, we are very, very uh, delighted to be here and we thank the Corcorans for their hospitality. Welcome to worship. Please join me in reading responsively our call to worship. Advent is a time of watching and waiting a time pregnant with expectation of new life. It is a season of hope unfolding. Let us greet it with receptive and willing hearts.
Our opening prayer this morning was written by a very gifted and now retired pastor in our annual conference, the beloved, uh, the Reverend Dr. Franklin Gillis. Will you unite your voices and your hearts? God of all seasons, prepare our hearts and minds to observe this holy season in such a way that we embrace the message and claim the true gifts of Christmas, hope, peace, joy, and love. May this season above all become a time of transforming experiences so that we might be renewed and empowered to be messengers of the good news. Amen.
I'd like to ask for the attention of the children now for the children's sermon. So this morning we have three scripture lessons and they are lessons that feature donkeys. There aren't a lot of mentions of donkeys in the Bible, but where they are mentioned, they are mentioned for their faithfulness. We have an Old Testament lesson in which uh, the owner of a donkey actually strikes the donkey three times and the donkey is just trying to get his attention to let the owner know that an angel of the Lord is there. He's pointing out what is holy and his owner is just missing this completely. And so the donkey does what, what he can do to try to get his owner's attention and his owner doesn't want to pay attention. And so he keeps hitting the donkey and uh, the Lord actually enables the donkey to speak to his owner, not bray, but actually speak. And, uh, and um, so that is a text that people turn to whenever they have been abused or hurt and they think that no one knows about that. If God saw the donkey being hurt and allowed the donkey to speak to let that be known, God sees our suffering. Then we have two stories that bracket Jesus's life. In the beginning, before he was born, um, we like to think that Mary rode a donkey to get to Bethlehem because she was nine months pregnant. And at the end of his life, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he rode on the back of a donkey. And there's a legend about that. There's a legend that God saw the donkey's faithfulness at the beginning and at the end, toward the end of Jesus's life. And so when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the legend is that God noticed and wanted to mark the faithfulness of the donkey. And so when the shadow of the cross fell on the donkey, God marked the donkey. And that is why to this day, donkeys have crosses on their backs. It is a sign of God's faithfulness. And if God sees the faithfulness of a donkey, he certainly sees our faithfulness. So as we grow in our faith, something we do our whole lives long, let us work to be faithful, to live the way that Jesus taught us to live, because God sees our faithfulness and it matters. It is how we share God's love in the world. So let us be faithful. Let us look even to donkeys and the signs that God saw them as faithful. God bless. See you next Sunday. As we prepare our hearts to receive scripture, let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the 22nd chapter of the book of Numbers, beginning with the, first ver the 21st verse. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the officials of Moab. God's anger was kindled because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand on the road as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So the donkey turned off the road and went into the field and Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck it again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand. I would kill you right now. But the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey, which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed down, falling on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out as an adversary because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let it live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, therefore, if it is displeasing to you, I will return home. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you to speak. So Balaam went on with the officials of the lake. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
This morning we have two gospel lessons. The first is found in the second chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the first verse. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee of Judea to the town of to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. Our second gospel lesson is found in the 11th chapter of Mark's gospel beginning with the first verse. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt tied that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. It is the second Sunday of Advent. We are three short weeks away from Christmas Day, and we're all busy making preparations. The baby is nearly due, and Advent is all about waiting. And we wait like everybody waits, some of us anxiously, some of us patiently, some of us overwhelmed. Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem. It seems that every painting of this journey of Mary and Joseph shows Mary on a donkey and Joseph on foot. In the gospel accounts of Matthew and Luke, there's actually no donkey mentioned, somewhat like the three wise men who are in fact neither named nor numbered. Tradition tells us that there were three because there were three gifts. And tradition tells us that Mary rode on a donkey on the journey to Bethlehem in these last weeks of her pregnancy. Donkeys are not mentioned frequently in the Bible. In our Old Testament lesson this morning, we have what seems to be the genesis of the Dr. Doolittle franchise, because we have a donkey who is speaking, speaking to Balaam, giving voice to the plight of the abused, and making Balaam aware of the angel that at first he could not see. Now, he doesn't seem to uh, be at all surprised that the donkey spoke or that the donkey is the one pointing out the holy. It's as if he already knew that animals sense more in this mystery of life than we do. The point about animals sensing more than we human beings give them credit for is also echoed in a wonderful story about St. Francis of Assisi, who in the last 10 years of his life really struggled with mobility issues. The traditional story is that on his deathbed, St. Francis thanked the donkey for carrying him these past 10 years and 
for taking him places he could not otherwise have gone on his own. And at these words of thanks, the story goes, the donkey wept. When the Reverend Tim, Tim Whitaker was a candidate for the Episcopacy before jurisdictional conference where bishops are elected, he had to go through all sorts of meet and greets and interviews. And in one interview, he was asked, with which character in the Bible do you most identify? And he surprised everyone by saying the donkey upon which Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Jesus had sent his disciples to get that donkey and they had worried that that there were some people who were going to confront them and stop them. If so, Jesus said, simply tell them the Lord has need of it. Tim Whitaker said that's what his life and ministry was all about. If the Lord has need of me, I will serve. If the Lord does not have need of me, I will stand back. He was elected as a bishop and served in the Florida Conference until he retired. When I first decided to do a sermon series on the faces at the manger, I imagined only doing sermons about the people who were there. What changed my mind was the reading of an evocative Christmas story by Ted Loder that was written from the donkey's point of view, which can be found in a rich collection of stories titled Tracks in the Straw. I would like to share an abbreviated version of Ted Loder's story with you, and then I will tell you why I loved it so much. Here is the story. The story is about a donkey named Thwig, and the story is told in the donkey's vo voice from the donkey's point of view. My name, Thwig, comes from the purple thistles I like to eat called Thwigs. I'm a dumb animal, really, but what everybody doesn't seem to realize is that all of us are really dumb animals, whether we have two legs or four legs or many legs or no legs. We are more alike than it might seem. Of course, you two-legged ones know many things we four-legged ones don't. But we know some things you don't, believe it or not, which is why just this once I've been given the gift of speech to tell you what I can about the event since I was there. I know the woman called Mary was very heavy as I had carried her along that day. I belonged to her neighbor, Elihu, and she and her husband Joseph had borrowed me for the trip. It was not something I wanted to be doing, carrying this woman with a belly swollen, with a, an about-to-be-born baby, and then having to go so far from home with almost complete strangers. For me, it was a hard job, like hauling wool and wood and grain and jars full of water. Mary was uncomfortable and withdrawn. Joseph was withdrawn too, but edgy. It seemed clear that they'd been fighting before we started. You know how you sense that sort of thing. Anyway, it was pretty obvious that they didn't want to be taking this trip. Every so often, Joseph would mutter, I just don't understand. And it wasn't clear what he was referring to, the trip or Mary's mood or some problem of his own or what. And when she'd answer, well, I don't understand either, nothing got any clearer. The roads were clogged with people. And at certain places along the way, there were Roman centurions urging everyone to move faster. Occasionally, there was a centurion riding some big, well-groomed horse 
who would prance around and go out of his way to bump me to prove how much better he was than I. He didn't have to do that. I already felt inferior. All my life I'd been called a particularly unkind name, which frankly I don't understand, given that my name is not Jack, and I don't even know anyone with that name. I did know I was being insulted, though. As we moved along that day, Joseph kept tugging more urgently on the rope until the bit began to cut into my mouth. We traveled a long way, and, and the faster we went, the greater the distance grew between him and the woman on my back. And the longer we went, the more she complained about being uncomfortable and about her worries over what they were going to do with this baby and how Joseph was going to earn enough to support them. Meanwhile, all I could think about was how much further did we have to go? And would there be anything good to eat when we got there? And would there be a place to sleep out of the wind? You definitely miss these things when you clop along with your head down and your nose to the ground. But the things you miss are still happening. That's part of what is so amazing. Mary's baby still kicked around inside her in spite of her, her worries and complaints. In spite of his grumbling, Joseph still led on. And I carried this miracle on my back, even though it caused my hooves and back and every part of me to ache. But one thing we four-legged ones remember to do that you two-legged ones forget is to keep in tune with all our senses. As the day burned down, I felt Mary's fingers tightly wrapped through my mane. Suddenly, I realized that she'd been hanging on like that the whole time, and the courage and toughness of her hold stirred my heart. I almost missed it. Such a small, beautiful signal, and my heart went out to her. I wonder how many creatures are hanging on tight, just like she was. So we clopped along toward wherever we were going, but what I started to tell you is that you miss things when you clop along, counting whatever you count whenever you get into a routine. You miss the little things, the previous things, if you hold your nose to the ground. But you know, you also miss those things if you hold your nose up too high. When you start thinking of things too far off the ground, too airy, sort of too heavenly, it's easy to get your tail all twisted around. I heard Mary whisper to Joseph, you said we were gonna call the baby Jesus. And he answered, yes, according to my dream, he will be the Messiah. And Mary answered quietly, I know. It was a very strange night. As we approached the edge of the village, the shadows felt heavy as water and seemed to part like the sea when the tiny ship of us moved through them. The dark leaves of the trees were streaked with strands of silver and scattered again whenever breezes rustled and disappeared again to wherever breezes go. The smell of supper smoke and apprehension mixed together and the quietness was weighted down with expectancy. It was a lonely time for all three of us. Something was happening, we'd all begun to sense it and our silence changed from sullen to thoughtful. Finally, Joseph found us a place in a stable. It was
was a dirty, smelly place full of other animals and some other poor people huddled out of the wind. The animals were caked with mud and dung, but it was shelter and we entered it none too soon. Mary groaned, a sound as deep and as loud as the wind before a storm. The birth began. Birth is an animal thing, drenched in sweat, bellowing, moaning, panting. It is full of blood and wonder. This one was no different, and the other four-legged ones and I watched, quiet, not spooked by the sights and sounds of it. This was something we understood, or more truly, it was something we understood that we didn't understand, though we had been through it many times. There's always pain when new life comes. It is not just physical pain, hard as that is. It's also the pain of being vulnerable, of birthing another life that will be vulnerable as well. A life separated from the womb where it was safe and protected. A life pushed out on its own. A life which, having begun, you know one day will end. But without pain, life does not happen. Without pain, no one claims life or reclaims it. Do not ask me why. I just know it in my dumb animal way. Without pain, life doesn't come fully to anyone. Without struggle, life itself would be like a god who is only an idea, off somewhere no one or nothing can reach. Nothing like pain or sweat or joy. Birth is an animal thing. It's a precious thing. It's an earthy thing. It is a very mysterious and holy thing, a thing of God. I wish I could say more, but I can only tell you that the birth in that stable was a thing of God. That night, the wind sang a miracle. That night, the light of stars left scorch marks like a brand on the world. A strange wisdom gazed out of that little red wrinkled one's eyes, that baby Jesus. And I tell you that somehow I knew then that God was with us, with all of us donkeys, with all of us dumb animals of earth, with all of us who clop along with our heads down or our noses up like the centurion's horse, with all the grumbling Josephs, all of the frightened Marys of this world. I will tell you that God came to us that night. There it was, there God was, a little thing as vulnerable as I am, as vulnerable as a mother's love is, as vulnerable as any love is and must be. It was a miracle God chose to come and be like that. We four-legged ones know that we live by gifts. Thistles and a bucket full of grain sometimes, a clear pool to drink from, someone to scratch our ears sometimes because they care, another four-legged one to stand when a storm comes and jagged fire splits the sky and your courage shrivels. They're all gifts to make your blood rush and sing a little. We know we live by gifts and we are not so dumb as to refuse them. That birth was a gift and I received it gladly. Will you understand this braying tongue if I tell you what I came to know that night? That night I learned what power really is. It is the choosing to come close, to break through the fences that separate us, to share yourself whatever the cost, to be vulnerable. 
a simple and a complicated choice. And that's all, and that's everything. Honestly, sharing yourself is being willing to let yourself be a donkey or a child or a friend or a lover. That is what love does. Love is the only power we dumb animals really have. And I believe it's most of the power God has. So it must be the only power that matters much. I looked at that baby that night and understood just how risky power is, how risky sharing yourself is. That is what God did. God came to be with us like a companion in the storm. God came to help us claim life and that is no easier than carrying that heavy woman Mary such a long, hard way or the pain and labor of many struggles. And yet life is joyful too. In that light-haunted, wind-fluted stable, the gap between us and God got closed. In that wrinkled baby, God gave us the way to touch each other's hearts, to close the distance between each other, to share ourselves even with our enemies. Yet we all, especially you two-legged ones, keep missing the chance. I know because it was my daughter who carried Jesus into Jerusalem to die some 30 years after I carried him into Bethlehem to be born. But I tell you, I carry him still. I cannot understand the mystery of it, but I carry his life in me. Yes, I am a dumb animal, but what is beyond me keeps me going. I hope the story of that night will carry you on too, if you choose. For the wonder is that the things we miss do keep happening. The child stirs once more, even in the disbelieving ones. God comes again, and the labor and the joy of it await. Oh, don't miss things, little things precious things, holy, wondrous things. So that is Ted Loder's story of the donkey which carried Mary, led by Joseph, to Bethlehem. What I like about this story is that the donkey recognizes that he and Joseph and Mary all carried burdens, but that God was quite literally in the very midst of those burdens. I'm reminded of the phrase from O Holy Night, especially in the year 2020 during this time of pandemic, the weary world rejoices. It is a lesson that is true for us as well in the midst of our challenges and joys. No matter what we carry around, God is in that. We can consider ourselves beasts of burden or blessed, but we are, all of us, God bearers. Thanks be to God. Amen.
And now let us affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now may you go forth as a people of peace. Let peace live in your heart and share the peace of Christ with all whom you meet. Share peace by acting out of compassion and not fear. 
Share peace by listening to all sides of the story. Share peace by praying for our world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share peace. As we go forth into the wonder of God's creation, share peace and hope with all those whom you meet. Amen.